Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Hi, and welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. Produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy Middleton. Amy Middleton here and welcome to another edition of Women on the Line. Cash Savage and the Last Drinks are one of the stalwart live bands here in Melbourne. Well known for their magnetic live performance, which has graced stages in Tassie, Western Australia, Northern Territory, and not to mention festivals in Czech Republic, France and Germany as of last year. This country blues rock alternative, unique sounding six piece have gone from strength to strength and become one of Australia's most revered international touring bands. On this week's episode, we have Cash Savage, singer and songwriter, and Kat Meir, who plays fiddle and sings backup vocals, in the studio to talk about their new album, One of Us. They're currently on a national tour to promote this album, and their home turf gig in Melbourne is coming up on August 13th. And I should mention that Cash Savage is my partner in life, as well as one of my favourite musicians. This may sound like nepotism, but the band is good, and it's not just me who thinks so. Their new album received four and a half stars in The Age, four in The Herald Sun, and hit number one on Australia's community radio music charts this month. So really, I'm just jumping on the bandwagon here. Just a trigger warning, my conversation with Cash and Kat includes some discussion of suicide, death and grief. If you are struggling with depression, grief or suicidal thought, you can call Beyond Blue for immediate support. 1300 224636, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thanks for joining us for Women on the Line. Cash Savage and Kat Mir, thanks for coming into the Women on the Line studio. You're um, welcome. Thanks for having us. <laughs> um, so, you guys are on a bit of a roll at the moment 4.5 stars in major Australian newspapers and the like, nothing to sniff at. How is the reception to the album? Has it taken you by surprise? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it, I guess it has taken me by surprise. You always secretly hope that people will like it, but it's always pretty nice when they do. And and it's a bit different to the last album too. Like The last album was really critically acclaimed as well. But this one seems to really strike a chord with people. The, the, the best um, accolades I've been that I've got have actually just been strangers stopping me in the street saying how much they love the album. So wow. Strangers have stopped, stopped you in the street? Yeah, strangers That's huge. have stopped me in the street. Yeah, one caught me after I'd uh, berated a, um, a tram inspect- ticket inspector and I was fuming as I got off the tram and she was like, I just want to say how much I love your album. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite a, quite a juxtapos- juxtaposition of feelings. Did she hear you berating the tram cops, do you think? Uh, I'm not sure she did. Right. Why were you berating the tram cops? Because uh, I just, um, look, I really just don't lo- agree with the idea that they go in there and they and they seem to target younger people. And I know that the majority of those younger people probably don't buy, but they probably don't pay for their fines and so therefore they're just giving that kid a debt that in three years' time is going to come back to bite them on the butt and all they've done is ride on a tram. So I have an issue with that. 
and I like to tell them. Yeah. It's a social justice issue. It is. <laughs> it's a social justice issue. I feel like you're taking it to the man, one tram inspector at a time. Yeah. Um, back to the accolades, <laughs> if we may. Um, what What is it that's striking a chord with people? Um, Kat, feel free to answer as well because you're slightly more objective about the album's content. Do you want to answer this? No, you can speak first. Uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it, um, it touches on death and... Um, and you'd be a very lucky person to not be touched by death at some point during your life. Mm. So I think that that makes it, some of the themes quite easy to relate with. But at the same time, it's not heavy about it. And I think I think that people sort of, uh, from what I've realised, that people are sort of looking for a non-heavy way to talk about death. And so um, the the lightness in it is is makes it, I think, more makes it something that people want to connect with, Yes, yeah. And I think it's cathartic. Mm. If you, like, listen to the album, even I think it's kind of cathartic. And I, I have, yeah, if you've lost somebody or something, you can really relate to it. Music, Sad music makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't yeah. know why that is. Yeah, me neither. It's a connection, I think. Yeah. And then you feel like you're not alone, you yeah. can relate to somebody. Or somebody else has been there, so it's not as isolating. Yeah, I would agree. How do you d- you say that it's not dealt with heavily? How do, what's can you explain the lightness? Oh, uh, I guess. Um, f- I mean, for the heavier songs on it, they 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 come from a point of positivity, I guess. So, um, it's not that they're light. But, you know, one of the songs is about um, um, – so I had, a, I had a family member suicide, a family member and a friend suicide in 2015. And uh, the, 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 some of the songs are inspired by that. But, you know, you could go very deep and heavy into um, the, the grief and sadness of that. But, but there is a point where you need to – there's, I guess, an acceptance and uh, – a coming together of of love, and there are positive things in grief, and that, and so, but then at the same time, you know, like I didn't put, you know, one of the songs is particularly it could have been a lot sadder, but instead it's all written in major chords, and and it's 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 more uplifting than it is uh, taking you down. So, does that answer the question? Yeah, definitely. And that was intentional on your part. Definitely, yeah, definitely. For the track one of us, it was definitely intentional for it to not be too heavy because that's the one I weep in. Yeah, is it really? But I I think it's like the happiest. Oh, it's really happy of, as well. It's uplifting. It's, it's got this like really happiness. If you walk into the song and not listen to the lyrics, mm. you'd, you'd sing along if you didn't think about it and be like, oh, what's this sort of happy tune? But it's 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 essentially not. But it's not from a point when I wrote that. When I started writing that, I was in the very start, first stages of grief, and when I finished writing it, I was at a, a point much closer to now, whatever that is. I don't know if you ever stopped grieving or missing someone, but at, at, at when I finished writing that, I was I was through the darkest times, mm-hmm. and so I wanted it to be, reflect that, you know, and and um, and or you sort of always knew that that would finish the album. 
and I wanted to end it on like a everything's okay, you mm. know, the, it, things are hard and, you know, sometimes it feels like we're alone, but thing, things are actually okay. It's not It's not that bad. So, um, yeah, it was intentional to keep that positive. And Kat, for you coming to those themes without knowing, so obviously Cash is the songwriter, so she knows what all the songs are about, mm-hmm. um, but you don't necessarily. So what was it like coming to those songs with fresh ears? Like was the grief automatically visible to you? Not necessarily. I guess they kind of developed, like the songs. Would you say that? Mm. Like they took on a, on a kind of path themselves with the band. With the band, yeah. Obviously, lyrically, there was, it was hinting at their grief. But I think that they've, I don't know, developed and you got you get more of a sense of things as time. The more you play a song, mm. you get more of a sense of the feelings maybe behind it. Yeah. So, um, Cash, you say that you bring the songs to the band and then they sort of take them on and work their magic. So, Kat, can you tell us a bit about, like, how do you make decisions for how you're going to do backup vocals or how you're going to play fiddle on something? Um, yeah. Generally, I try and work around Joe. Joe comes up with killer licks. Okay, <laughs> Joe's the lead guitarist. Okay. Yeah. And then I try and, yeah, work around what he's doing I guess it kind of happens naturally. It's pretty organic. Yeah. Sometimes some of the songs will be like, oh, this is going to be a... This this is clearly a guitar song, so... Yeah. yeah so everyone has to fit in behind the guitar. Um, sometimes it's like this is going to be a fiddle song or, yeah. or a banjo song, and so I guess it becomes more organic then. And with the harmonies, I don't really know. They just kind of happened. Mm. Do you think they would change depending on your mood on the day of recording? Yeah, I guess Definitely. so. Yeah. Definitely. That's like a lot of power over the outcome. That's kind of frightening. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I... Maybe don't think about it. <laughs> Maybe don't think about it. Yeah, I don't think, oh, I don't think any of us should think about it. <laughs> Whenever we're doing works and we're not thinking about it, so I think maybe just leave it as is. Bloody journalists yeah. making you think about things. <laughs> but then also Nick Nick helped yeah, write Nick, a lot of the, like that violin line in Falling Landing. It's this... Yeah, that was yeah, in his yeah. mind. I that, never would have thought of that. <laughs> yeah, so our producer, Nick Finch, sometimes comes up with ideas. Right. Uh, sometimes. Quite often comes up with ideas <laughs> in the role of producer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'd sort of take songs to him and be like, this is what it sounds like. And he'd say, you know, for instance, to Cat in Falling Landing, can you play this particular violin line? Which when he told me, I thought he was, had lost his mind. Yeah. Um, but it actually works really well. It had to be tinkered with. In Like, the line itself stays the same, but where it sat in the mix, it took a little bit of effort. But um, yeah. it, it, I think it really works. Um, it's my favourite thing to play. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> my my favourite is the screech in that song. The screeching... Uh, that is actually a lot of fun to yeah, do too. Yeah, uh, just when it pops out of the stage, I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we've talked about it so much, I'm going to play it. It's um, the new single, latest single from yeah. Cash Savage and the Last Drinks' is third album, One of Us. This is called Falling Landing.
hear the plane I think we're landing Welcome back We're glad that you're here All the miles And all the candy Welcome back We're glad that you're here You've been in a lot of other bands, um, and you've you had your own outfit, Little Rabbit, recently. Um, can you tell me a bit about what it's like to be a woman in the music scene? Like, I feel like it would be still very male dominated. Am yeah. I right there? Yeah, that's correct. I would definitely say so. Yeah, 
there has been a few awkward moments where I've definitely felt it more than ever. Like once, I can't remember who I was playing with, but I was going backstage to um, play at a festival and they were like, no, no girlfriends allowed. Oh That's God. definitely... But that was oh once. <laughs> That's terrible. But I think a lot of the time it is quite good, like especially the scene that maybe we're in, people are pretty respectful or certain people are respectful and aren't misogynistic and all those things. But occasionally you do come across certain people who just have no respect, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of dinosaurs. Yeah. You run into those dinosaurs every now and then. I mean, I guess they're everywhere all over the world, but they are uh, they're there. So, um, yeah, you do run into that stuff. But, I mean, like, I was just talking to some friends about it yesterday, how there just seems to be all of a sudden heaps of bands with more than one girl in it. Yeah. And that's a massive development because mm. for a long time there were bands that just had one girl in them and she would... Uh, either sing or do backing vocals, occasionally play bass and very rarely play drums. So, um, and but now there are heaps of bands out there that there's either just one guy in the band or they're bands of of entirely made up of girls. But they yeah, and it's just ain't no thing, which is just such a great development. Yeah, um, I don't know how that's going in the rest of the world, but definitely in Melbourne. I've noticed a massive shift and it's, it just girls. seemed to just tip really quickly from mm. being boys everywhere um, to girls on the stage uh, quite often. Yeah. I've noticed. Absolutely. Why do you think that tip might have happened? Because of broader social change or do you think it's more specific? Oh, look, I, I couldn't even... I, I think there would have to be so many things. Uh, yeah. I think all those people out there who've, all those girls out there who have been in bands just as the one person, I guess, you know, maybe it just got to a point where it just became, I don't know, it has to be, surely it's the whole society. I'd like to hope that it's not just in the music business that it's happening everywhere, but you do see it. But the back end of the music business is very dominated by men. What do you mean by the back end, like the managers and the recorders and... And the, uh, you know, venue owners and bookers and the, um, yeah, management and the and the labels. And, I mean, we, we have quite a few um, women around us, um, but uh, you can definitely walk into a lot of, like, industry sausage fests. <laughs> so, Is that the technical term? The technical yeah. term, And yeah. maybe people are, like, more actively seeking out women to be involved or around them. I think That'd so. That would be great. yeah. I think so. I know for a long time a lot of festivals had sort of unwritten quotas to have... Gender parity. Yeah, yeah, but not even parity, just to have gender. And it's if you don't have women on your festival lineup these days, then you get pretty quickly called out for yeah. it. And there really isn't any excuse because there are some really awesome bands out there that have that have got um, at least one woman, in, but lots of women yeah. in them. And, so. and I think, you know, like bands like... Um, uh, you, Band, big bands that have got all women in them, you know, the the right girl scene seems to be quite back again, mm, yeah. uh, which is great. And then you've got bands like Savages who refuse to be titled an all-girl band. They're just, we're a rock band, don't call us that. Mm. And I think that that's just a wonderful step in the in a good direction for, yeah. for women. In I music. even had to learn to do that myself. Like, I used to always talk about bands with all girls as mm. all-girl bands. Yeah. 
Yeah. I and, had to correct myself. And like, and with a band like that, it's hard not to be, because it's so rare to see uh, a band that's all girls yeah. just being accepted as a band that when you go to refer to them and tell your friends, it's really hard not to say mm. one of the defining points about this band is that they are all girls. girls. Yeah. I, I would, like, it's... It, it would be a, actually a weird thing not to say because it's so weird that it's happening. Yeah. Mm. So um, particularly with the amount of success that they've had. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, weird. it is weird. But I think that that's changing. And, you know, maybe that's some of the things. Maybe it's not. Who knows? I wonder if it's important to acknowledge that they're all women or is it important to not acknowledge? <laughs> Depends on the situation, surely. Like yeah. I think if you're saying it in terms of promoting them or being excited about that fact, then for sure. But if it's the only defining feature, it's a yeah. bit like Cash, like your sexuality, like you sing openly about women in your songs but you don't identify yourself as a queer musician particularly. But if people were to talk about you, that would be something that they might say in a promotional um, way. Yeah, and I am pretty staunch on not allowing that to be something that I'm defined promotion-wise. Mm. I have had a promoter um, uh, define me as uh, one of Melbourne, Melbourne's, oh, I don't know, top lesbian musicians or something, and I was furious about it. Yeah. And their response was, well, it worked at selling tickets, and I was just even more furious at that, and I, I don't work with that person. But I, I, um, yeah, I don't want to be defined by that at all, and... Um, so, you know, in the same way that I didn't really want to be defined as a band that has women in them, you know, because none yeah. of, no one in our band thinks, oh, we're a band of girls and boys. And none of the girls <laughs> gets treated any differently for what gender they are. You yeah. know, there's no, there's no um, like, rooming list that puts me and Kat together and, you know, and all the boys in another room. You know, mm-hmm. There's none of that stuff. It's just, it, just that that stuff doesn't exist in the band, so I don't expect it to exist anywhere else. Do you think all bands are like that though? There might be that might be quite a unique thing. They should try to be more like us. Cash Savage and the Last Prince, be like us. <laughs> be like us. So yeah. speaking of rooming and sleeping in the um hostels, you guys went off to Europe last year. Um can you tell me a bit about what it's like to be an Australian musician in Europe? What's the reception like? How were you treated, etc.? We can only really talk for ourselves. They were so nice. Please do. Yeah, they were so nice. They were so much. They were so nice. So much nicer than expected. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they were. Um, you you get a get a look. A lot of venues out there really, particularly music venues. Now it's not easy to be a music venue in Australia. Mm-mm. And so um, when bands come into music venues in Australia, they're usually pretty welcoming. So we've had very positive experiences, and I could at least. I could list a lot of names of real bastions of music Australian bands that are just venue owners and venue bookers. Um, uh, in Europe, for us, um, there is a, a level of uh, appreciation due to the fact of how much distance you've travelled, I think. Right. So they're very thankful. They're always like, thank you so much for being here. We're really happy, you know. If you go down the road to play a gig, they're not going to say that kind of thing to you no. just because you've just gone down the road. So, but if you fly over an ocean, there and you know, I do think that art's treated a little differently in Europe than it is in Australia. But in what for, ways? I think it's, I think it's respected a little bit more. 
I think it's respected as a profession a little bit more. Mm. Um, and I think that um, that they expect that artists should be looked after and cared for by the either the state or by the people or by that that Europe is like we our artists are important, our culture is important, and so we need to look after them. A lot of yeah, from what I can tell, but I don't know. I'm not really. I'm not a European musician. I'm an Australian musician who went there, and they were really welcoming and warm and lovely. They always put us up in amazing um, accommodation. They make your meal. Yeah, they make us meals. And they like, because yeah. I, yeah, they'll make it vegan. If one person's vegan, they'll yeah. make a whole vegan meal. Yeah. Or if somebody's vegetarian. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, we have nice. a couple of vegetarians in the band, but we just say vegan on there just to keep it simple. Well, is Joe vegetarian, though? Oh, he doesn't eat. Well, he's particular. He's not vegetarian. But it's, it's too particular. I'm not coming bothered explaining it's it. It's the interesting. But, yeah, they'll look after our yeah vegetarianism and... Um, or otherwise. Or otherwise. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they just... They go above and beyond. It feels like they go above and beyond to look after you. Mm. And you talk about funding um, being potentially um, maybe more highly available in Europe than Australia, but we've got to be at the bottom of the pile worldwide. I mean, our arts funding is just getting cut by the day. Yeah, it would be really hard to be a musician who's not in Victoria Mm. um, because Victoria still has quite a strong arts funding body. Um, that doesn't seem to have any influence from the government, which is nice. Well, you're heading back to Europe in November of this year? Yeah. We're allowed to announce that, aren't we? Well, we have now. (laughs) (laughs) You just did. You heard it first on 3CR. (laughs) We like to break stories on Women on the Line. Breaking news. Um, So that's exciting. But before that happens, you have um, a really killer home turf gig coming up in Melbourne. Do you want to tell us about that? Uh, yeah, we're playing the Croxton Park Hotel on the 13th of August. Thornbury. In Thornbury. It is the the biggest headlining show we've ever done. And there were some times when the tickets started going on sale where I had thought, what have you done, Savage? You, <laughs> you are crazy. You're going to be playing to a big empty room. But people have bought tickets. And hey. it's, um, it's selling really well. And... Uh, yeah, it's really exciting. I can actually stop thinking about it now and just enjoy the lead up to it. Yeah, it's something for listeners to remember if you want to ease the um, the dreams and sleeps of your favourite musicians, buy tickets before the gig. Yeah. It turns they out that's really it. important. It is. Actually, it really is important. Mm. It is. People don't know. Um, okay, I'm going to leave listeners with um, Ratatat, which if you log on to YouTube and look up this song, you'll see some pretty cute footage of this band touring Europe last year. Um, thanks for joining me, Cat and Cash. Thanks. No problem. Thanks for having us. And if you want to find out more about the band, go to Cash Savage. Uh, CashSavage.com.au. CashSavage.com.au for tickets and info. Thanks once again to Cash Savage and Cat Mir for joining me in the studio. And once again, if you do need support with depression or grief, you can call Beyond Blue for immediate help on 1300 224636. And thanks again for joining me for Women on the Line.
Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a group of women at 3CR Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is Sideshow at Free University by La Tigra. Women on the Line can be downloaded from our website, womenontheline.org.au, or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash podcast. I'm Amy Middleton. Tune in next time for another edition of Women on the Line.